Washington is abuzz with cybersecurity matters as lawmakers wind down the current Congress and President-elect Donald Trump assembles his cabinet. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Today, the Security Report looks ahead to the incoming U.S. government in Congress and the Trump administration. One of the biggest obstacles to enhance cybersecurity within the U.S. federal government is the committee structure in Congress. The Department of Homeland Security has primary responsibility for civilian cybersecurity in the United States, but in Congress, the Armed Services, Foreign Affairs, and Justice Committees respectively have principal jurisdiction over the Departments of Defense, State, and Justice. That's not the case with Homeland Security. And House Homeland Security Chairman Mike McCall wants to change that when the new Congress convenes next month. The Texas Republican seeks to centralize House oversight of DHS into his committee. The Homeland Security Committee shares its jurisdiction over the department with nine other committees. I don't have principal jurisdiction over the department. Most people don't know that. And it paralyzes our ability to do anything legislatively. McCall spoke earlier this week on a panel sponsored by the Think Tank Bipartisan Policy Center with DHS Secretary Jay Johnson. Johnson says he and other DHS officials in just the past two years have testified before some 100 committees and subcommittees. Some of whom I've never even heard of, and it keeps us very, very busy. Representative McCall reacts. To Jay's point, when you're constantly testifying on the Hill before multiple committees and subcommittees, it's kind of hard to do your job. And I think it paralyzes the department from its core mission of protecting the American people to constantly preparing for, you know, testimony, which oversight's important, but it should be this committee should have principal jurisdiction over it. Still, other committee chairs resist relinquishing their authority over DHS. Here's another panel speaker, former U.S. Representative Jane Harmon. The problem is that committee jurisdiction is power. It is a zero-sum game. It's not a zero-sum game for the country, but it is for the Congress. If Mike wants to take some jurisdiction away from the Commerce Committee, Commerce Committee doesn't want to give up the jurisdiction because then some person loses a little bit of power. And unfortunately, Congress has 19th century committee structure against 21st century threats. To tackle 21st century cyber threats, Johnson backs legislation forwarded by McCall to elevate the National Protection and Programs Directorate within DHS to a cybersecurity agency. Here's Johnson, followed by McCall. You're organizing NPPD into a cyber and infrastructure protection agency so that we have an agency responsible for the U.S. government's cybersecurity mission is, at least it should be, a good idea on a bipartisan basis. But you've, you've heard the jurisdictional hurdles that have to be wrestled with before we can get yeah. there. I have a cybersecurity bill to reorganize the cybersecurity agency within the department to authorize it. I cannot get that passed in the Congress right now. It's up to the House Republican majority to change the rules to give the Homeland Security Committee principal jurisdiction over DHS. McCall, though exasperated, pushes on. We just introduced a bill, got referred to nine other committees on the Hill. How in the world can I get anything done as chairman? It needs to be fixed once and for all. I'm going to propose in the rules package an amendment to fix this problem once and for all. McCall is winning support from some House leaders to make his committee the principal one to oversee DHS. Some committee chairs, no doubt, will resist such a move. Washington is abuzz these days as lawmakers meet in the waning days of the 114th Congress and President-elect Donald Trump assembles his cabinet. 
Many of the activities going on in America's capital involve healthcare, IT, and privacy. Joining me to discuss these actions is Healthcare Info Security Executive Editor, Marianne Kolbesak-McGee. Hi, Marianne. Hi, Eric. The House this past week approved the largest healthcare reform bill since enactment of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. The bipartisan 21st Century Cures Act aims to modernize the processes, accelerate drug and device innovation by increasing funding for research, in hopes of getting cures into the marketplace faster. Marianne, what happened to the healthcare security and privacy provisions that originally were found in the bill? Dropped from an earlier version of the bill that was approved by the House in July 2015 was a controversial provision that had called for significant changes to the HIPAA privacy rule. Had that provision been left in the bill and eventually signed into law, it would have allowed covered entities such as hospitals to use or disclose patients' protected health information for research purposes without authorization of the patient. What made these provisions controversial? Well, there's a discomfort level among patients and privacy advocates for patients to have their sensitive health information disclosed or used for research without their knowledge or consent. There would be a shift in control over how patients' information could be used for research and who would be using it. Drug companies, you know, researchers that perhaps the patients might not even be aware of, and that's a problem. Okay, let's move on. This past week, President-elect Trump tapped Georgia Republican Congressman Tom Price to head the Department of Health and Human Services. Price is a strong opponent of the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, but where does he stand on other health care matters that concerns the sector's IT privacy and security community? Well, not a lot has publicly surfaced so far about Price's position on specific health care sector privacy or security-related issues. However, the six-term GOP congressman, who happens to be an orthopedic surgeon, appears to have a pretty good understanding of some of the health IT challenges facing healthcare sector organizations. For instance, he's been supportive in terms of easing some of the requirements of the High Tech Act, EHR, or Electronic Health Record Financial Incentive Program. But as you noted, Price is also a big opponent of Obamacare, and he's led House efforts to dismantle it. He has his own legislation that he's been promoting for the last six years to replace Obamacare. But the bigger question is whether or not that bill that he's proposing will in the future address what would happen to some of the data and systems that are currently in healthcare.gov and some of the other state health insurance exchange marketplaces if indeed Obamacare is dismantled. So that'll be a big issue. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, the mystery surrounding Donald Trump's views on online privacy, security, and surveillance is causing anxieties in some corners of the Internet. ISMG's Jeremy Kirk explains. The surprise election of Donald Trump as the 45th U.S. president is still sinking in for his supporters, opponents, and the rest of the world. 
Over the next four years, Trump's administration will have vast influence over privacy, surveillance, and data security. Fearing the worst, the Internet Archive has started a fundraising campaign to set up a replica of its 20-petabyte archive in Canada. Since launching in 1996, the Internet Archive has amassed one of the largest digital archives of publications, movies, software, and books. It also runs the Wayback Machine, which saves 300 million web pages per week. Rooster Kale, the internet entrepreneur who started the archive, envisioned it as a way to partially preserve the ever-morphing web. But Kale believes that the internet archive may be threatened by Trump, particularly if he loosens laws to make it easier to force the removal of online content. Establishing the Internet Archive of Canada will cost millions, but allow the archive to withstand an uncertain political future in the U.S., he contends. Never before have people had so much access to information than through the capabilities of the internet. Never before have governments, spies, cybercriminals, and others been able to exploit it for profit, surveillance, and influence. This year's presidential election showed that the real battleground was the internet, where the lines between fact and fiction were always open for debate. That's one reason why the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine is so important. It captures what's been on the web before it has been modified or disappears. The Internet is in a constant state of revision, from vanishing tweets to slight word changes in corporate blog posts. There's great value in having a reliable repository that shows just how something appeared online at a certain point in time. Kale is preparing for a dark future that hopefully will not come to pass. But censorship and internet monitoring are not uncommon in other parts of the world, and one needs to look no further than at the long list of authoritarian regimes. His worries may seem extreme, or perhaps even unfounded given America's history, but from a technology standpoint, his plan is grounded in well-tested IT maxims. Back up frequently, and keep those backups in different places, because who knows what the future holds. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.